0: Some of you will know these words, and if you do, feel free to uh, help me finish it. And For those of you who don't know these words, you can just sort of, I guess, bask in the irony, maybe, of it. Hear this. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a heck of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. (laughs) Never thought you'd hear that in church, right? Now maybe, I don't know, maybe the disciples had that kind of thought in their mind. If they did, could we blame them? I mean, let's, let's put this into perspective, right? Here you had these young fishermen who got called out by a teacher, hey, I want you to be my disciple. So there they are, little disciples, and they're with this teacher, and, and, and recently, everywhere they go, crowds are following them. People want to hear what their teacher has to say. People want to be where their teacher is. They want to see their teacher. Well, you know, sir, when somebody sees their teacher, guess who else they see? His entourage. I'm with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He picked me, y'all. Yo. Yeah. You know, sometimes a lot of us, we give these Hollywood types, you know, we give them a hard time. I don't know why they think they're so special. Can you blame someone when everywhere they go, there's like a thousand people hoarding over them, just wanting to touch them? Hey, going Craig, can you sign my... What do you expect people to think? Or we look at athletes and we think, I don't know why they think they're God's gift to creation, when you know you got a hundred thousand people yelling for them and rooting them on, spending a big chunk of their paycheck just to watch them play some game. Can you... Right? So maybe the disciples, Had a little bit of that. But could we blame them? Now, I want us to remember and to be aware of some things that lead up to the reading that we had from Mark today. If we go back just a a few verses to the beginning of chapter 9 of Mark, there's a few things we look at. The beginning of chapter 9, Jesus takes three of his disciples and he takes them to a mountaintop. And while they're there, it's told that these disciples see Jesus transfigured, right? And we call that the transfiguration of Christ, right? And when Jesus and those three disciples are done on the top of the mountain, they come down, right? And they come to meet the other disciples. Now, when Jesus comes and he sees his other disciples, guess what? There's a crowd there. And when the crowd sees Jesus, guess what they do? Oh, it's Jesus. Oh, yeah. But he notices that the crowd and his disciples are arguing against one another. And so presumably he asks the crowd, why are you arguing with them? And the man speaks up and says, I have brought my son who's possessed by a demon. Keeps him from speaking, the demon takes charge of him, throws him in the fire and the water. I brought him so that you could heal him. Your disciples could not do it. So Jesus says, all right, boom, boom. He takes care of that. The boy's healed. Move on. As they go on, the disciples ask Jesus, how come we weren't able to do that? Jesus says something about this kind can only come out by prayer or prayer and fasting. Some of this sound familiar? Then they're walking on. And Mark tells us that Jesus doesn't want anybody to know where they're at. So maybe they're taking some secret path. I don't know. And why he doesn't want anybody to know where I don't know either. Maybe he just wants to spend time just one-on-one teaching. Maybe he doesn't think that the disciples can handle another crowd. I don't know. But there they were. And one of the thing, things Jesus teaches his disciples is he gives them what we call a passion prediction. The second of three passion predictions. And consequently, in Mark, a good way to remember what those are, there's one at 8.30, 9.30, and 10.30. And Mark, around Mark 8.30, there's the first passion prediction. 9.30, where we're at today, there's the second one. and Mark 10.30, there's the third one. And quite simply, what it is, it's Jesus predicting what's going to happen to him. Cross, right? But the disciples do not understand what Jesus is talking about. Not only do they not understand what Jesus is talking about, they're too afraid to ask him what he's talking about. So they move on. They walk a little further. And they get to a house, and when they get to the house, Jesus asks them something. What were you guys arguing about on the road? Anybody remember what they were arguing about? Who was the greatest? Now let's put all this in perspective. Rewind real quick, right? These are the disciples who couldn't heal the boy. And according to Jesus, maybe there was something wrong with their prayer life and their fasting. These are the ones that couldn't understand. It seems so simple to us. And maybe it was a little more complex. But it sure looks simple. This is going to happen to me. They couldn't understand that. And they were too afraid to even ask Jesus what he's talking about. And all those things, now as they walk, they're arguing with one another, which one of us is the greatest? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Who is the greatest? Who cares? Mark tells us, though, that the disciples quiet because of their discussion. And I don't don't know why they were quiet. Maybe they were embarrassed. Maybe they were mad they got caught. Maybe they thought Jesus didn't hear them. Maybe they were frustrated with themselves. Maybe they were angry. Maybe they knew they were caught red-handed. I don't know. But Jesus is there and Mark tells us that he calls the twelve to him in the house. And, And most people conclude and it doesn't really matter too much, but most people say this is Peter's house. But he calls the 12 to him, and in a typical teacher fashion, he sits down. and He says, whoever wants to be first must, must be last of all and servant of all. Now, maybe those words just astounded the disciples. or Maybe they were just kind of like, okay, we get it. I don't know. But whatever they were thinking, they sat around there some more. And as they were sitting there, Jesus calls a child to himself. And there this child is, young child in the middle of these disciples. And Jesus takes his child and lifts him up in his arms. Whoever welcomes such a child like this, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Now there is a common thought that a child's position in the ancient world wasn't a very a highly respected position. And that may seem kind of obvious. Even in our times, you know, so many people have always told me, well, when I was growing up, children were seen, not heard. So maybe it's not a far-fetched idea to think that uh, a child didn't enjoy uh, freedom or didn't enjoy some of the things we might take for granted. And that conversation can go back and forth, and there's some things you can add or take away from that. But I think at the very least, I think at the very least, we, can, we could probably agree that that child or a child like that child didn't have the same kind of voice that maybe the disciples had or that Jesus had or that other leaders, even that child's parents might have had. I bet we could agree that that child could not defend himself or herself the same way Jesus could have or other leaders, or that person's parents. Y'all with me? That child didn't have the same kind of resources as other people might have. Now, have you ever gotten in trouble? Maybe you don't think about it, just kind of saying, you know, maybe maybe it's your spouse or someone you know, and, you know, they're expecting, and everybody's, oh, baby, and you say something like, oh, so when is it due what is it? What's its name when you get in trouble? It's not an it. It's a baby. Right? Oh, sorry. Did you see how Mark told us the story? Did you see that? When Jesus was with the twelve and he brought the, the child there. What did he call it? Take a guess. It. It says he brought it. And he said he picked it up. We don't know if the child is a boy or girl. Now, that may or may not mean anything, but I think it just kind of helps us remind us that that child's place wasn't the same place that everyone else enjoyed. And whoever welcomes such a child. A lot of churches these days, they talk about wanting to be welcoming congregations, welcoming churches. And i got to say that being a welcoming church is, not, is more than just having somebody at the front door, shaking somebody's hand, hey, glad you're here, can you hurry up so we can get the next person in? There's more to it than that. Think about when you have a special guest over your house or guests. You've been waiting for this day on the calendar and, you know, this is... Important guest, important person or persons. And, you know, you get everything ready. Tidy up, got the best meal, or you got the best whatever. You are ready. And when that person arrives, you will do everything you can to make sure that that person is welcomed into your home. You have gone out of your way to make sure that that person is welcomed. Jesus tells us, whoever welcomes such a child, whoever welcomes the voiceless, whoever welcomes the defenseless, whoever welcomes he or she that doesn't have the resources, whoever welcomes such a child as this, Welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me doesn't welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. One commentator made it very simple for us said that when you and I welcome the powerless, we are welcoming the powerful. Disciples, you want to know who's the greatest? Who cares? Because while you're out walking and arguing amongst yourself who's the greatest, while you're arguing about who should have the best reward, who should have the special designation as most greatest disciple, while you're worried about who has the best plan for church growth, while you're worrying about who preaches better than who, while you're worried about and arguing about all these little ticky-tack things, Who's taking care of this child? Who cares? Who's the greatest? Every church has those who have a voice and have resources and have all those kind of things we talked about. And every church also has people who don't have those kinds of things. I think it's a a testimony to the glory of God when those churches can figure out how to make sure they have one voice and how to make sure that that one voice is given to others outside of themselves. That is the church being the church. And in every church, I think every person needs to know, needs to trust, needs to believe, needs to understand, needs to experience that this is a place where they can have that voice, where they can have those things that they may not have anywhere else. Because we are building a different kind of kingdom here. We are building the kingdom of God. But I bet we can... Remember times when we've argued about who's the greatest in church and even at home. Now all I can really ask you is, who cares? If anyone wants to be first, when someone hears that, they might be willing to say, well, okay, John, well, I don't really want to be first. I'm happy with a distant second or third, thank you. It's not that easy, friends. We don't get off. Like that. It's a nice try. We all have the same calling. Jesus wanted us to be like him. Jesus wanted us to learn who he was so we could be like him. Look at the passion prediction of Jesus that we talked about. He was last. They don't put number one on the cross. He was the servant of all. And all of us have that same calling. And this is a place where people with that belief and that trust in Christ and that desire to be like Christ come together. And my regard is not for what you can give to me. It's what I can give to you. It's what we can give to other people. It's also a place where we know that we are amongst God's own. We were in our Mercedes church one time, and I want to say it was around New Year's Eve or something like that, but we were having a church gathering, and we were a smaller church, and at the end of our time, we all got in a big circle, and we, we held hands, and we prayed together in that circle, and we started singing. I remember we started singing a song, Unidos, Unidos, Siempre Unidos, right? United, united, always united. such a nice little song, so nice, I think we sang it about 103 times. In that circle. And I don't know if it happened naturally or if someone cued it or whatever, but here we are singing, you need those, you need those, and somebody decides it's a good idea. Let's put our hands up. So we start singing with our hands together, right? in our circle, and of course some of us are off. But that's all right, though. We're, we're going. As And around the circle, you can see that after a while, what happens to your arms? You kind of get tired, right? So some people are smart enough to put their arms down a little bit, get a little rest, and come back up. And I was half smart because I did that with my left hand. I couldn't do it with my right hand. Let me tell you why. Slim Jim. Slim Jim was the guy who was holding my hand next to me. Slim Jim was younger than I was. Good looking guy. I always said he looked like Bruce Lee. To me, he looked just like Bruce Lee. Had the washboard, had all the lines, everybody just had that look like, come on, Right? And you want to talk about who's the great? I wasn't about to let him know that I'm going to get tired before he did. So whoever, yeah, so whoever's on this side, you're all right. But I ain't putting his arm down. And any of you who've ever done, you know, like a church back-to-school celebration puppet show, you know that after a while, what happens to your arm? It Starts getting tired, yo. Starts burning right about there, and then you're like... Why did I do this? Why didn't I sit next to a little, never mind. So after a while, you know what? My arm starts doing this gig right here. (laughs) Hey, Jimmy, (laughs) what's up, brother? But you know what? After about verse 97, I finally decided (laughs) I can't do this. Now I didn't put it all the way down, but I brought it down just a little bit just to kind of, you know, get some of the blood back going, right? As I did that, Jimmy on the other side, he squeezed my hand just a little bit and he picked my arm back up. So there we are again. And someone's arms start shaking. Guess who it was? Jimmy. And I could tell, Jimmy, I don't know if we had the same thing working in our mind or not. I don't know if he didn't want to let the big guy get over him. or I don't know. But I could feel his arm come down just a little bit. And so I squeezed his hand just a little bit. And I brought him back up. And we stayed like that until that song was over (laughs) I don't think I wanted to be united anymore but to me that's the church how can I hold you up how can you hold me up how can we hold up each other and how can we hold up the other people in and out of the circle Who's the greatest? Who cares? We've got work to do. In Jesus' name.